0: Welcome to the PHNX Suns podcast, brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith, and today I'm joined by Saul Bookman, Gerald Bourget, and Espo. Gentlemen, I have a question for you. Who was y'all's favorite player growing up?
1: Ooh, uh, sons or any team,
0: any team,
1: uh, it'd still be sons for me, but I want to qualify for <laughs> others. Uh, I'll go with Charles Barkley. Uh, it, it's cliche for a guy of my generation, but certainly, uh, certainly Chuck for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's probably Grant Hill. I mean, I, I think every kid in the nineties, favorite player growing up was MJ, but Grant Hill and those Pistons jerseys with the flaming horse on the front. And then the Sprite commercials, like, Grant Hill
1: was just that dude for me growing up. Don't forget feelers, too. I mean, you get the kicks, <laughs> had the signature kicks that they've brought back.
0: Yeah, he but was, Gerald uh, already, he already poo-pooed uh, on the feelers last week, so I'm he can't trying, backtrack from there.
1: <laughs> I'm trying
2: not to remember the Feelas. They ruined that man's career.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm buying you a pair of those feelers. I'm going to see what oh, I can oh. find. I'm going to buy you a pair of those 20th anniversary uh, feelers just for you, my friend.
2: Oh, man, this man is trying to cripple my feet out
1: here. You don't have to wear them while playing basketball. You can just wear them around the studio. Yeah, well, I feel gonna... like if
0: you wear them as fashion, they probably won't be as terrible for your feet and your legs or whatever.
2: I mean, I guess so. It just, I remember reading in a Slam article, and this was the moment that I turned my back on Fila forever, that Grant Hill's kid, one of the first words out of their mouth was knee growing up because of all the knee stuff that was going on with him. Oh, that's
0: so, sad.
2: That is tragic, and that's why I'll never forgive Fila for ruining the primes of one of my favorite players.
1: Yeah, but the way I look at it is this is them trying to pay him back by giving him additional money after his career ended, uh, by selling more shoes for him. So I, <laughs> I look like this is this is the makeup fund that we're trying to help invest in. So, Saul,
0: so, what about you? Who was your favorite Uh, player growing up?
3: Well, I have to apologize because I was having some crazy technical difficulties. And when you started asking that question, Lindsay, you definitely sounded like a chipmunk. And I was like, what the (laughs) hell is going on with my audio? And then I refreshed and then you guys were all super slow. So Gerald was like... And so... I apologize. But my favorite player growing up, my favorite son's player growing up uh, was most definitely Charles Barkley. It wasn't even close. Um, he was just he was everything that was kind of anti Arizona uh, at the time. Uh, he was charismatic. He was vocal uh, and he was a powerful dude that didn't take shit from anybody. And so um, I just I love that. And uh, so, yeah, Charles Barkley by a mile. Sure.
1: So no pot brownies before the uh, before the show. That, that yeah, it. man, those
3: <laughs> those those edibles hit different at eleven o'clock in the morning for sure.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Yesterday, the Basketball Hall of Fame announced eligible candidates for the class of twenty twenty two, and on that list were some familiar faces. So we had Sean Marion, Tom Chambers, and Dick Van Arsdale, among a few others. But those are the three we're going to talk about here today. So the first one I want to talk about, Tom Chambers, TC, he made the list as a first-time nominee. Are we surprised that it took this long?
1: Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not to be rude to TC, I don't mean it like, rude necessarily. I mean, he had, he had a very impactful career for, for Seattle and Phoenix, but when you look at it, I mean... I, over his 16 years that he played in the car- in his career, he's compared to guys like uh, based on stats and and basketball reference. Uh, you know they have a similarity score. He's compared to guys like Lou Aldang, Zach Randolph, Serge Ibaka, Andre Kirilenko, Antonio McDice. Like they're really good players, but I don't think I would say necessarily Hall of Fame on that list. He does have 20... Uh, a little over 20,000 points in his career scored. So usually that's a, a marker that gets you consideration into the Hall of Fame. But I, it, it's a nice career. He was a very good player. I don't know that I go Hall of Fame with it, though.
3: I agree. I, I agree. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Gerald.
2: No, I was just going to say he's kind of in the Hall of Very Good for me. Like he's, he had a very good career, Hall of Fame. I, 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 I'm with Espo. I don't know if I would go that far. So it's not, I mean, it'd be awesome if he makes it, but like, I would be surprised if he did. And it's not surprising. He's a first
3: time nominee for me. 20,000 points to me, especially when you're talking about today's era is just nothing. Um, and, you know, when you compare him to other dudes like Anton Jameson and, and Joe Johnson, who also have 20,000 points, neither one of those guys you would consider to be hall of fame worthy either. Um, and <clears throat> for me, when you're talking about hall of fame, you need to, you, you have to have two, you have to have two, I have two different kinds of credentials, either a, in a brief amount of time, you did some spectacular things that maybe nobody has ever done or very few have ever done, or the longevity of your career and the stats that you, you know, accompany with it prove out to be hall of fame worthy. And and Tom was ne- neither one of those things. I can't remember, a single Tom Chambers play outside of the Mark Jackson dunk that I was like, oh yeah, that's legendary. You know what I'm saying? Like he never, you know, he was never clutch in the playoffs. And, and, uh, I think the thing that hurts him at least from a son's perspective is when they brought in, uh, Charles Barkley, that whole franchise shifted, um, because Charles Barkley, a clear, a clear hall of famer, uh, was just that dude, and in comparison to Tom Chambers, and I know Tom Chambers was kind of coming to the end of his career, but he was such a difference maker. It's it was a no brainer that 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 Charles Barkley was was a Hall of Famer, and to me, that kind of proved that Tom Chambers was not.
1: So so the biggest argument that that would be made here is of the guys who are retired, uh, who are who have been eligible for the Hall of Fame, who have scored twenty thousand points. From what I can tell, all of them are in the Hall of Fame except for TC. And the other guys that uh, aren't eligible yet but are on that list to go in, Carmelo Anthony, who will go in, LeBron James, who will go in, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, who will go in, uh, I'm I'm looking at this, Kevin Durant's going to go in, you know, like these are these are all names. Russell Westbrook's likely gonna go in because of averaging the triple doubles, James Harden will go in. So you know, these are this is the group that he's in. The only one, Joe Johnson, who's two spots ahead of him on the list scoring wise, uh, I don't know that he'll go in, but so that's would the you, argument to be made. TC has the forty-seventh <laughs> most points scored in NBA history.
3: Would so, you put would you take Tom Chambers over any of those dudes
1: though? No, but but if we're looking at it and you're trying to make understand why he's eligible, this is the this is the only reason because he's on that list of 20,000 points and basically everybody else who scored 20,000 points is in or will be going in once they're eligible.
0: Well, and then so you that's have to why he's
1: on this list.
0: You have to factor in. Saul, so kind of. To your point, like the fact that he was able to score that many points back in the day, com- when you're comparing it to the, the people on that list who are playing in today's NBA, well, that is pretty substantial That,
3: that that's, a, that's a fascinating argument right there, Lindsay. because literally Espo and I were talking about that very thing uh, yesterday when we were driving around the city. Um, and we talked about the misnomer that back in the day was somehow a, a slower uh, pace of play. You know, we forget that in Tom Chambers' era... There was literally a game that where the Phoenix Suns scored 173 points in a game. Like this misnomer that that scoring just wasn't a thing, or 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 because of the physicality of the NBA that teams weren't putting over 100 points a game. Um, I don't think that's uh, that's historically accurate. I, I think um, yeah, sure. It's it was it's easier to score in today's game. I would say probably. I think shooting, um, just the art of shooting. I think was better back in the day uh, compared to now because guys were basically shooting threes or trying to go in for dunks and you know the mid range. That's why we love Book and CP3 so much is because they've they've they mastered the art of the mid range jump shot and it's a lost art. So um, I think back in the day they they used the mid range a lot more and so Tom Chambers scoring twenty thousand points to me doesn't really ring as 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 big of a deal as maybe people would uh, assume it is
1: not shooting threes you know in that era or not many because he only shot 740 in his career right not that much when you look at what guys even even big men power forwards are shooting now that's i think that makes the 20,000 points that much more impressive and if he played in this era he had a season where he shot from three limited shots, obviously 37, 36%, 37%. So he may in, in this today's game have scored, you know, 23, 24, 25,000, depending on how many of those point uh, shots he was taking were three. So I think the 20,000 is impressive. I just don't know if, if that in and of itself gets you there after a 16 year career, you know, Uh,
3: I also think, you know, I I you know, I'll, I'll throw this to Gerald. I also think that uh Tom Tom whether fair or not um suffers from kind of a Barry Bonds complex where the media um you know his relationship with people uh just wasn't, you know, when you think Tom Chambers, you know, like, oh man, what a great guy, you know, I love being around that guy. You know what I'm saying like 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 Eddie Johnson endears himself to like the public uh, to a degree, right? Um, Tom Chambers doesn't have those kind of vibes. And I wonder if that was the reason why that kind of held him back as well as people just weren't, weren't feeling Tom Chambers as much.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing for me, that's, it's hard to compare different eras because of just the way that the game has fundamentally changed. Like the fact that three points is worth more than two is a big difference in a lot of these scoring totals that we're going to see over the years. So it's hard to compare guys from different eras like that. My thing is like, if you compare, Tom Chambers to some of the guys from his time. Like, yes, he was a four time all star. Yes, he was a two time second team All NBA selection. But like aside from that, he had a sixteen career sixteen year career that was pretty good, but not great. Like I, I think it's great that he got a Hall of Fame nomination. I think he should get nominated, but like getting inducted over some of the other guys that are eligible, I, I just I just don't see it
1: for me personally. Yeah, here's here's one thing. To make the argument about 20,000 points, and you bring up Eddie Johnson, uh, Saul, you brought him up. Beloved guy, right? He's only about 800 points behind uh, uh, behind TC. is 19,202 points for his career. Played the same number of years, uh, roughly the same number of years. Nobody's going to put Eddie Johnson in the Hall yeah. of Fame, right? No, you know, and and eight hundred points is a, you know is a good season for some guys, or a bad season for some guys. I mean, EJ probably could have hit that twenty thousand if he if he extended his career another year, and and this is a guy that never made an All Star game and almost scored twenty thousand. So is that is that mark really as vaunted as as? some may think I don't, I don't think it is. I I'm glad he got nominated. That's very nice for TC. He, he knows that his, his peers on the committee uh, value what he did, but I just, I don't see it. I don't see him being, uh, being a guy that deserves to be in the hall of fame.
3: Yeah. I think the best argument here is (laughs) I'm about to cause some, some, some fights, Um, you know, who would you consider to be more Hall of Fame worthy? Man, this is going to suck when I say this. Uh, Robert Ori or Tom Chambers? You know what I mean? Right. And I know we have our distaste for Robert Ori, but if you look at, if you think about those two individuals, which who stands out more? And you would say it would be Robert Ori just because of what he did in the playoffs and hitting those clutch shots. Now, was he fortunate to be on some of the greatest teams of all time? Absolutely. But he did come up clutch, on multiple occasions. And so those things are what stick out in people's minds when you're talking about, are they hall of fame worthy? Now for the record, I don't think either guy is hall of fame worthy. I'm just saying like, if we want to make an argument, there's one to be made
1: for for comparison. Robert Ori has 13,000 fewer points than, Oh yeah, I know.
3: Robert or is is absolute (laughs) trash. But like I said, you know, the the clutch factor of, of some of his playoff performances is something that can't really be overlooked
1: fair I that that's that's fair and that brings up a whole different kind of debate I mean oh yeah you sure. could probably have a, a playoff hall of fame in and of itself where you inducted guys just based off of what they did during championship runs I mean Steve Kerr would be would be in that you know guys guys like that who whose impact in the playoffs was was a different level than then it was and maybe it wasn't high volume scoring, but they had big moments, but
3: I love I love when people bring up Steve Kerr and I'm like, dude, he had like two legit like moments. <laughs> he hit a, a shot to win the finals and then he had like an insane run of five threes with the Spurs and that was about it.
1: Hey, they, he won five titles <laughs> and two of them uh, because of those uh those moments uh, he had his fingerprints on so. I mean, if if we're if we're just hypothetically creating new ways to do Hall of Fames, I mean, I mean, if why we want to not? talk about
3: fingerprints, then Robert Ory should be in absolutely because he put his fingerprints all over freaking Steve Nash. So, <laughs> among sorry, other things. sorry, it's completely uh, just, sidetracked. My bad, guys. My bad. Just, uh,
2: <laughs> just the one last thing that I have before we wrap up on Chambers is I don't know how they calculate these odds, but according to the Basketball Reference like Hall of Fame probability chart that they have there. Uh, Tom Chambers has a 5.2% chance of getting in, which ranks wow. 200, 201st on the list of the players they have here. <laughs> Interestingly, Robert Ori is 218th with a 3.3% chance. So Good, good. That's interesting. <laughs> I, lo-
1: I like Gerald's idea of the Hall of Really Good. Like it's next door to the hall of fame in like a, a more shabby building, uh, less fanfare, uh, costs about half as much to get into. Like you can't, the hall of fame, you can get like good snacks and stuff here. You're just getting, you know, uh, kind of gas station sandwiches and those kind of things, things that are acceptable, but not great. I, I feel like you can make a whole thing out of it.
0: That feels like a participation trophy. I don't know if anybody would go for that, to be honest.
1: Who would be the
3: first son to get nominated into that hall of really good? Tom Chambers.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, congratulations to to TC for getting nominated at the very least. Um, Moving on. Next up, we're going to talk about Sean Marion. So, This one gets tricky. It's widely debated. It's a hot topic, but, and Gerald, you brought up the basketballreference.com's Hall of Fame calculator. According to an article on NBA.com, Sean Marion has a 76% chance of Mm -hmm. making it using that calculator. Uh, He was first nominated in 2019, currently remains eligible for the Hall of Fame. As you know, he played nine seasons with the Suns during that time. Year in four All-Star selections and made the All-NBA third team twice. Should this be the year that the Matrix finally gets in?
1: I don't know that he'll get in this first time, but he's definitely deserving of being there eventually. Uh, And usually, you know, the the first or second time, if you're kind of a, a fringe guy, you don't necessarily get in, but... Uh, again, looking at Basketball Reference's similarity score, you'll see the difference in the kind of player he's compared to: Scottie Pippen, John Havlicek, Dominique Wilkins, Kevin McHale, Paul Pierce, Rick Barry. Those are legit Hall of Fame names that his career is similar to. Right, mm-hmm. so I, I would, I think he should get in. Uh, just I don't know that it'll be will be this time you look at the list of, there's like a hundred something people that are eligible. And usually it's, I think usually it's only a handful of what five or six that, that are actually going to get enshrined out of this, uh, out of this group that he's in. I, I think he'll be right near that, that threshold. I think he needs 18 of 24 people on the, on the committee to vote him in. It wouldn't be surprising to me if he had like 16 votes, you know, 15, 16 votes, uh, just short and then gets in in one of the subsequent years coming up.
2: Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool if he made it this year. It is. He did get nominated in 2019, so it's good that he's back in the nominations uh, two years later. Um, So that's encouraging that he's on their radar and that maybe he's going to work his way up that list. Um, But the thing that stands out for me is the two-way play and just the longevity of his career. Because you look at, we're going to nitpick with the stats a little bit and and set the bars where we want them, but he's one of four players in NBA history with at least 17,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, uh, 1,500 steals, and 1,000 blocks. And the other three are surefire Hall of Famers, Carl Malone, Kevin Garnett, and Akeem Olajuwon. Like, that's pretty elite company as far as just being able to impact the game all over the court. His peak with the Suns was phenomenal. There was that year he led them in pretty much every statistical category with Amari out. Like the guy should be in the Hall of Fame. And I've made this case before. Um, it just might take him a couple tries to get in.
3: I th- I just, you know, when I look at when I think of Sean Marion, I just think. <clears throat> to Gerald's point, the two-way play and the fact that, you know, we, we always talk about how DeAndre Ayton currently never really gets plays designed for him. Um, and Sean Marion was definitely much of the same way. He was he was the guy that cleaned up a lot of the, the, the you know, the dirty work. He, he did a lot of the dirty work, I should say, for the Suns. Um, you know, he was a two-time All-NBA player, um, you know, four-time All-Star. Like, I just – Every time I think of Sean Marion, I just think that run in the seven seconds or less era, um, he did so much for that team uh, that they couldn't do for themselves. And he cleaned up a lot of stuff and almost single-handedly got the Suns on the defensive end to a, to a NBA Finals. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, I, you know, he, he led the NBA in steals twice, you know, uh, I, from, a, from a small forward position. That's, that's really impressive. Um, so I, I think Sean Marion is a surefire hall of famer. Um, I think he's one of the best all around players and, and really one of the first versions of the three and D type of player, um, in in the NBA, when he started out, Scotty Pippen was kind of the first version, but Sean Marion was right up there, um, in his career.
1: Yeah. Look, look at He's ranked, uh, 84th in all time NBA points. 39th in career rebounds in the NBA, 40th in offensive rebounds, 23rd in defensive rebounds, 19th in all-time steals, uh, 58th in blocks like that's that's a guy that has done it and, and did it across the board in stats, right? I mean, not just one category. He's he's an all-timer in across the board. In stats. So uh, there's there's no doubt to me that he will he'll wind up in that building someday. What's the bigger egregious thing? And we've debated it on this show as you look at all this and we go, yeah, that guy deserves to be an NBA Hall of Famer. Yet somehow he's not in the ring of honor. Yeah, that's like, egregious. Th- <laughs> it's it's asinine. It's the fact that he's egregious. not in there yet, he ranks this highly in M- across the league. We're not talking sons all time. We're talking NBA since the, since the first time they threw up a ball, he ranks uh, well in the top, you know, 60 in all these categories outside of points. Like that's, it's egregious. It, it is an error error that needs to be rectified ASAP. And if he gets into the hall of fame, before he gets in the sun's ring of honor, uh, that's criminal.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, him and Amari Stoudemire. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why they both are not in the ring of honor. I don't care how they left. I just don't care from a fan perspective. Um, and that's what the, that's what the ring of honor is supposed to be all about. It's about like, you know, Hey, if I'm a fan of this team and I remember the history of this team, I remember that these two individuals gave so much to this franchise and so much fun to this franchise and to not reward that. Um, I don't care how they left. I don't care what happened. They deserve to be in there based on their performance on the court. Cause that's what this is all about. Um, and so we'll see if it ever happens. I hope it does because like you said, it, it is an egregious error that absolutely does need to be rectified. I don't care that he won a championship with the Mavericks. He was, he's a son. He's a son. If they had to pick a jersey for for a player to go into the Hall of Fame, you would think that it would be as a son because that's where a majority of his career was. Um, So uh, he needs to be up there.
2: You would would hope it would be in a son's jersey, and that's why they need to put him in the ring of honor so they can mend that damn bridge because right now that dude would totally walk up there with a Mavs jersey on because that relationship is so frayed. They've got to fix that.
0: Well, and I don't know that anybody would really blame him if he did do that. Another interesting stat um, surrounding that exact topic, that championship with the Mavs, is that on that calculator we were talking about just a few minutes ago, where he is at 76% um, of chances to making it into the Hall of Fame, if you take away that single championship he has with the Mavericks, he drops down to 58%. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting, like, that's a big, big jump, honestly, without that championship. So I don't know. I feel like he would, if he got in, he would be wearing a Mavs jersey.
3: If Charles Barkley would have beat Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals, Charles Barkley would be considered one of the top 10 greatest players of all time. But because he doesn't have that championship, nobody considers him to be that and not even, maybe not even a top 25 player because of the championship. That's how heavy the championship weighs when you're talking about greatness um and sean marion is definitely one of the the best all-around players in the history of the game but and that in that championship vaulted him to another level especially against the team that he had to beat to win that championship you know the lebron led miami heat with all the that star power um, so it, it was it was uh, it was a large feat for sure
1: look i i get the the how much a championship Impacts things, but it wasn't like Sean was the, the biggest part. Like he wasn't the star on that team. He wasn't even one of the really one of the top three stars on that team. He was, he was a rotation guy for Dallas, a a, a piece that helped them get there. I get the argument if he had, if he had won it in Phoenix and he was, you know, however you look at it, either two or three in importance uh you know some may even argue one in importance but uh like i I don't know when you get later in the career and you win it i don't know why that changes percentage by you know 18 percent or whatever it was it was in likelihood of getting a championship or getting in the hall of fame
3: his defensive performance in the finals was 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 very key reason why they won that you know what I mean like his defense against LeBron first of all like you beat LeBron in the finals that's significant right like I know a lot of people have beaten LeBron in the finals so maybe it's not as significant as I think it is but (laughs) but, (laughs) but, I'm trying to make the argument for him uh, you know beating LeBron and having to defend LeBron at a very high level in the, in, you know, the pinnacle of your sport. And so yeah. it does mean a little bit more than than not getting to the finals. Cause that's what we knocked the, the seven seconds or less sons for is the fact that they never even got to the finals, let alone win a championship.
1: And that wasn't an argument against Sean, as much as an argument against the idea that, that the championship should be almost all defining for some guys, because it's still a team game. There's only so much the one guy Can do, and there's only a rare few that basically will their teams to win by themselves to win a title.
3: I think Uh, when you're talking about it from that perspective, I agree. But I, but I will say that a championship definitely adds to your resume. And I think when Lindsay's talking about dropping from seventy-five percent down to fifty-eight, I think that that is what we're talking about, right?
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Yeah, especially because I mean we're not talking about just how great they of a career of these players had, we're talking about a Hall of Fame induction. So you have to kind of nitpick to an extent when you're talking about the Hall of Fame, because if you weren't very particular about who you added in, like so many more people would be added into that class. And I think right now I don't have the exact number, but it said over 400 members are um, a part of the Hall of Fame right now that's not a huge number when you look at the fact that there's like at least a hundred people on this nomination list alone, but I guess, uh, good luck to Sean Marion. (laughs) Hopefully he gets in to not only the hall of fame, but the sun's ring of honor as well. So next up on our list, we're going to talk about the original son, Dick Van Arsdale. He also, uh, remains eligible for the hall of fame. He has been nominated, uh, previously. Are you guys,
1: how do you feel about this one? This one would have to be more of a impact on the game kind of thing. You know, a uh, he was the original son, had a very big impact on establishing Phoenix as uh, a basketball city. I mean, he was drafted as part of the expansion draft here and came in at at the age of twenty five, was an All Star three times in Phoenix. But you look at it and he played from 68 when the franchise launched through 77 he was there for that uh, that fantastic finals run uh the Cinderella Suns took and uh so for me this would be more about his impact on ensuring this city uh was was actually nba ready like that 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 this wasn't a franchise that was here For a short time and and left, but I don't think when you look at, at the stats overall, I just, I don't see him being necessarily a hall of famer unless you're including his time at Indiana, which, uh, was, was very good. You know, again, looking at the players, his similarity score, DeMar DeRozan, Walter Davis, you know you've got Mitch Richmond, Joe Dumars, uh, very good players. Mike Conley, I think he's a, another Hall of Very good kind of player, not Hall of Fame, but you got to take in into consideration what he did at Indiana and his impact uh, here in Arizona in keeping the uh, the Suns in in Phoenix for the long term and planning those roots about uh, about Phoenix being a basketball city.
2: Yeah, I, I would also say Hall of Very Good, and it'd probably be more for nostalgic and sons based reasons than anything. They they do take for the Hoop Hall into, uh, into account everything in a basketball player's career, so it's not just NBA. But even with the Indiana stuff, like, I, I just, yeah, I'm kind of ambivalent about this one. I love the original Sun and all, but, like, <laughs> it, I mean, for reference, like, the the Hall of Fame calculator has him at two point two percent or two point five percent odds of getting him. So love Dick Van Arsdale, but I, I don't I don't think he's Hall of Fame worthy.
3: I think we're starting to see a theme here with the Hall of Very Good and why we haven't won
1: a championship yet. <laughs> it's kind of depressing. So Phoenix should be the home of the Hall of Very Good. Yes. Uh, forget Springfield, Massachusetts. It's Phoenix, Arizona, the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. yeah, I, I agree
3: with, with what both of you said. It's just, there's just not, like I said, there's there wasn't enough impact on the court, um, you know, to to really overcome you know, the, the longevity or, or the stats that he provided. So there's no real big argument to make um, outside of just his impact in Phoenix. And was that impact significant enough to get him into the Hall? And I would argue probably not.
0: Well, best of luck to uh, all of the nominees for the Hall of Fame for the 2022 year. Uh, fingers crossed we've got a couple of Phoenix Suns uh, in that induction list. Well, it's Christmas week, and the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, has a gift that'll certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious when they download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code PHNX. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket. And all DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in the Christmas spirit, with the holiday free bet surprise. So everyone will get a free bet up to $50 instantly as a DraftKings member because the DraftKings Sportsbook app is giving away up to $10 million in prizes. So if you haven't downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app, do so now. Use the code PHNX. Get your $150 in free bets after you place a $5 bet on any NBA team to win, and they do. And if you are already a member, be sure to log in and check out what free bet you won from the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Just a reminder, that is 21 and older, Arizona-only, gambling problem, 1-800-NEXT-STEP, new customers only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details.
1: Lindsay, before we move on, I got our DraftKings pick of the week.
0: Oh, nice. Right? What is it?
1: I-, I wanted to come in hot, and I wanted to do this earlier than, uh, uh, than the end of the week. I'm taking the Phoenix Suns, whatever the point spread is against the Warriors on Christmas Day. Oh, snap. I like this. <laughs> uh, let's let's just go and hot. Let's just say, you know what? That's how good this team's been playing. The best start in franchise history. Lay it on the line on Christmas Day. I'm I'm gonna go whatever the point spread is. Take the Phoenix Suns on Christmas Day on the national stage. Get it done and put that jingle in your pocket with our DraftKings Pick of the Week.
0: That's a solid Pick of the Week, Espo. I'm pulling for you. pulling for our Phoenix Suns. So fingers crossed on that one. All right, gentlemen, our next topic, the Athletic. Uh, They surveyed 118 former players and asked them a variety of questions. We're going to talk about a few of the ones that we found just a little bit interesting. So the first question we're going to talk about, which current player would you want taking a shot in the game with the game on the line? Now, surprisingly, despite being some of the best clutch time players in the league right now, neither Chris Paul nor Devin Booker made the list. Are you surprised?
1: Yes. I mean, how is Chris Paul? I, I, I get, okay, fine. Maybe Devin hasn't hasn't earned the respect, but Chris Paul is named the Point God and has has been doing things, uh, you know, with in the clutch this year that uh, we haven't seen. Uh, he's got a career behind him uh, that that makes it very clear that he's one of the best shooters this league has seen. Yeah, I would very much uh, think Chris Paul would have been on this list. I don't know what. Necess- I mean and didn't, not towards the top necessarily I get the Giannis's and the Lebron's And the, uh, you know, and the KD's being up there But making it, cracking the list You think he would have at least done that
2: Yeah, th- I mean remember a few episodes When we talked about how players used to vote On like major awards and stuff like that Yeah, <laughs> This is the case for why that's not a good idea <laughs> Because oh, fair enough. it's hard, to be fair It's hard to keep track of everything going on in the league when you're playing in games yourself but like if you just look at the crunch time stats like Chris Paul has 47 points in 44 crunch time minutes he's shooting 61% in those situations Devin Booker 30 points in 27 crunch time minutes he's shooting 73% in those situations including 60% from 3 like those would be guys that should probably be on your list and maybe not number 1 at the top of your list but when you have the most clutch backcourt in the NBA right now, you would think at least one of those guys would get some votes from somebody.
3: Yeah, I mean, you absolutely agree. I, Chris Paul's the, the egregious one to me. I think Devin Booker's still uh, finding that clutch gene to, to a, a higher level. And I think he needs to do it a little bit more um, for a longer period of time. But, uh, you know, I think I also think that Booker had some clutch moments last year in the NBA playoffs. The fact that you're just going to completely ignore both of those guys is really atrocious. Uh, Chris Paul, let's be real, uh, down the stretch of games, it, it does. It very much feels like he's just kind of, you know, going through the motions for the first couple quarters to try and get everybody else involved. And then the fourth quarter comes along and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just drop 14 mid-range buckets on you and game over. You know, and that's that's clutch. So. Uh, I don't I don't even understand why neither of them are on this list. It's kind of let stupid. Me,
1: let me ask you guys this. Would you rather have Kyrie taking the shot over Chris Paul?
2: Ooh, I'd rather have for, the vaccinated guy, but I don't the know. guy the who can actually is, take a shot guy in the, the league if
1: you're in New the guy New New York can, city. The guy that it's ironic that you're talking play. about shots
3: in Kyrie. it is
0: true. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah,
3: but so, I mean you gotta be on the court to take clutch shots. But if we're talking about all things equal. And you know, both guys are healthy and playing. It's hard not to go with Kyrie. God. It's,
1: but it's at least a discussion, right? Yeah, Chris is. Middleton. Absolutely. Chris Chris Middleton. Would you rather have CP three or Chris Middleton taking the last shot?
2: Ooh, Chris is low key like Chris Middleton is low key really dangerous in last yeah. shot situations, but I'd still I'd still rock with Chris, I think.
1: Chris yeah. Paul, you mean? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I Chris, Chris with a C, <laughs> not Chris with a K. Yeah, Chris with a C. I, I love wait Gerald trying to slip wait, that wait, in wait, so wait. he couldn't be wrong either way. Hey, I'll take Chris on this one. All right. Be, he pulled one, one out of my book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all I mean, right. Go, one, go ahead. One, ahead. one,
1: one other one. Klay Thompson is on this list. This dude has not taken a shot in an NBA game in over in two years, right? <laughs> two years, and he is still voted on this list. Right now, we're not even sure the dude can shoot a basketball. We haven't seen it. Oh all right, God, I'm dude. sure he can, but I'm just <laughs> saying he gets voted on a list that was done, oh, you know, this year. And and cracks it cracks their the the top of this list, and CP3 can't even get a sniff like that. That's ridiculous to me. He hasn't played in two freaking years.
3: It helps that it helps when you play in the NBA Finals and people remember that. I'm just saying, like. It's not like Clay Thompson forgot. I love how you are all of a sudden are like, "Oh, Clay Thompson forgot how to play basketball." Like I
1: didn't. He's, I'm not he's saying he's gonna that he's going to come
3: back, and he's still going to be clutch, and he's still going to be one of the best shooters in the league. Like that's not going to change.
1: Saul, so if you took two years off of podcasting, you would suck when you come back, just because you're I mean, rusty. I, I mean, I, I mean, I suck now. It doesn't
3: matter. Like this is true. Know, I, I still <laughs> suck the same. So so will Clay. No,
1: I I think it'll take a while for him to get back in form. And I'm not sure that he's going to ever be 100% the guy he was. He's had two major injuries. like So the expectation that he's just going to simply come back and be some world beater because he was before seems ridiculous to me, he especially he, this season.
3: But see, that that's the thing, though. I suppose like you act like that this guy relied heavily on his physical strengths to do what he did. He's one of the best shooters of the, uh, in the world because he knows how to use other people's screens. He knows how to use leverages. He knows how to be able to play basketball at a level and get your shot off at, 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 at a very high level. And that's not necessarily all like just because of his athletic ability. No, you know, that, it's that takes a lot of intelligence. You know, Clay Thompson to me is like the modern day kind of Larry Bird. If you will. Larry Bird didn't have to rely on his physical abilities to get what he needed to get off. And I feel like Klay Thompson's much of the same.
1: So you're you're a smart guy. You played basketball at a at a high level. How important are your legs to your shot? Very important. Yeah. And that's my point. He had two serious leg injuries, uh that that he's working back from. So the the fact that nobody seems to think that'll have any impact on at least this season when he comes back, it's, I it's, think is ridiculous. You,
3: but I think there's a big difference between uh, coming off of an injury and being a hundred percent and leg fatigue. And I think Clay Thompson, the thing that might affect him at the early going, and this is going to your point is the leg fatigue in terms of like, you know, getting the stamina in your legs to make sure that in the fourth quarter you're still shooting at a high clip. Like, okay, I agree with you on that, but I don't think he's going to have any residual effect in terms of his Achilles or his ACL that are going to prohibit him from, like he's not going to have to alter how he shot because of these injuries, right? It's just about building that endurance back up to be able to perform at a high level. And with that, I feel like that's only going to take a matter of time. It's not going to take half a season. I feel like you give him a month and then he's going to be right back to where he
1: was. Clay Thompson won't ever fully be the guy he was before. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. Save it for Christmas
0: down. Day, EBSPO. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. Next question. Which current NBA coach would you have most liked to play for? Monty Williams was fourth on the list, trailing only Pop, Steve Kerr, and Doc Rivers. Do you agree with this?
3: Who the fuck wants to play for Doc Rivers? <laughs> that was my thought too. <laughs> why is Doc Rivers up there? Because he just lets you do whatever you want. Maybe that's the reason why.
0: <laughs>
3: I guess
1: I guess you win a decent amount of regular season games, uh, maybe maybe there are a lot of guys that played for really bad teams so they they like the idea of winning in the regular season.
2: I guess. I, I mean, I I know Doc is like well respected around the league especially for the way that he handled, like, the Donald Sterling thing, um, that kind of thing, like, really endears you to players. But in terms of, like, actual coaching abilities, I don't I don't understand why Doc would be in the top three like that. Like, Pop, I definitely get. Steve Kerr, I get it for, like, the culture thing. He's, you know, one of those guys that it just seems like it'd be fun to play for because he seems like a nice dude. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not surprised Monty is – fourth on that list i just wasn't expecting doc to be in the top three
0: (laughs) well just for a little bit of perspective pop had 24.1 percent of the votes kerr had 20.3 percent doc had 13.2 and monty had 10.4 so monty and doc aren't too far off um comparatively speaking
1: yeah i mean i i none of the doc thing yeah that that surprises me a bit, but you know, of course, you want to play for for Greg Popovich. You win, you win titles. You are, are treated with respect by Pop as long as you respect the game. Uh, he'll have your back against anybody. Like I get that, Steve Kerr, obviously, very much uh, the same in in those things, and and he's a little bit more lighthearted. They're guys that that stand up for for their convictions too. So you know, what they believe in. So, of course, guys are going to want to play there. And, and Monty belongs in that circle, too. So I, I get that. The, the name that surprised me a little further down on the list was Ty Lu with the 2.8% of people wanting to play for him. Were these, like, all LeBron guys that uh, that voted for Ty Lu, Like, uh, of those 118 former players, you know, how many of them had ties to that? Because that one just doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
2: I mean, I I hear he's a pretty... I mean, he he's a good coach, just X's and O's wise. And I hear he's a pretty good guy in the locker room to have as a, like a former player. I, so I, I, I can't really speak to that, but I, I do want to just point out that uh, last year's coach of the year only got 1.9% of the vote, the guy who beat out money. So interesting how that
3: works, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Who I mean, does that's that?
0: the, that's the,
3: New, that's the New York market for you. The New York market gets everything <laughs> and it's complete trash.
0: All right. So our final question, five years from now, which current NBA player will be the league's best player? So Devin Booker was eighth on this list with 2.1% of the votes. There were six players listed ahead of him. And then the seventh spot in there is not a player, but a just, I don't know. So number one was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number two was don't know
1: what a cop out what a freaking cop out if you were asked to vote in this and you just go i don't know like how lame is that just pick a damn guy and roll with it it's anonymous i don't know who you're voting for so what difference does it make i mean don't know that's so
2: lame yeah what was the point of even giving them that option like why why are you giving them that that cop out i don't know i I think it's good he's on the list at least, but uh, yeah, I don't know if (laughs) that was 20.2% of the vote that could have been given to maybe guys like Booker or some of the guys in front of him.
1: So on this list, uh, would you rather... Jason Tatum is 1.7% ahead of of Devin Booker. Would you legit rather have Jason Tatum than Devin Booker? No. Mm -hmm. No. That's the only... That's the so. only thing that will end and Zion being at five percent. I mean, I get potential, but uh, reality seems to say that you know the the weight of expectations, if you will, oh, is a little too much this guy. Oh, for Zion. This guy, Come no. On, man. <laughs>
3: Oh, no. I knew you were going somewhere fucked up with
1: that, Espo. Well. <laughs> Zion is fat, and I can say it because I'm part of the club. So. Oh,
0: my God. Um, One of the things that I found really interesting on this list is that Russell Westbrook was on it. And he was pretty far down with only 0.8% of the votes, but still a little odd that five years down the road, he's 33 now. So at 38 years old, somebody thinks he's going to be the league's best player. Like that, I that
2: blows my mind. I think Russell
3: Westbrook voted for Russell Westbrook.
0: <laughs> <But it's, laughs> there's, there's,
3: there is an odd fascination with Russell Westbrook in the media. And I do not understand it whatsoever. I just don't get it at all.
1: Look, I i think what that, what that one means, and I believe this is how the kids say it. Uh, whoever voted with that one didn't understand the assignment. <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's I mean, that's a ballsy move for he's yeah, gonna be 38 by that time.
0: Because I would, regardless of how you feel about Russell Westbrook right now, if you think he's a phenomenal player, at 38 you think he's going to be one of the league's best players? Like that's a stretch.
1: Hold on. It would be laughable if you voted him as one of the league's best players right now, let yeah. alone five years from now. Fair <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right gentlemen any last thoughts on uh, any of these questions from the athletics poll of 118 former NBA players
1: I want names and I want who they voted for otherwise I will not be satisfied i need I need the full voting list uh before I can I can really get into how bad this list was
0: I would like I'm, to know that as well
2: yeah i'm I'm cool with the suns continuing to fly under the radar because <laughs> they seem to enjoy it so they'll continue just racking up the wins and eventually when they win a championship, then maybe we'll see some of these surveys turn out differently.
0: Well, until then uh, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to another PHNX Suns podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Lindsay Smith, a Z you can follow Gerald on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. You can follow Saul on Twitter at Saul underscore bookman. And of course you can follow Espo on Twitter at, Espo. Espo, you want to send us home?
1: Ahoy hoy.